0: After visiting North Yorkshire's flooded farms last week, this week it's back to Waynefleet, two months on from the flooding there, with the promise of recovery funding
1: from DEFRA. We've got to be fairly careful. It's not money for crop loss. It's money to help recovery. Simon Fisher will tell us
0: more in a moment, plus a bit further south we'll find out how the summer weather's hitting cauliflowers this season. And after Nick Morris decided to make a return appearance on last week's programme, Rebecca Pearce has decided to get in on the act and is back this
2: week. Good morning, Sean. It's nice to be back.
0: Oh, and make sure you're listening right at the end after the forecast for the week ahead as well. Joe Stanley will try to nail some of the myths about climate change and farming.
3: The vast majority of our livestock are raised, as you see here, on permanent pasture land. Um, 70% of the UK's agricultural land is unfit for other forms of agriculture.
2: The Week in Agriculture. This is The Farming Programme with Sean Dunderdale.
0: Good morning. Last week on the programme we heard from North Yorkshire with Andrew Ward visiting the latest farms to be hit by flash flooding, seeing the real devastation caused there. Well, Virtually as we were playing that interview out last weekend, inboxes were pinging with emails from DEFRA pledging funding for those farms badly affected, not just in North Yorkshire, but by the earlier flooding in Waynefleet in Lincolnshire as well. It's two months now, since two and a half months' worth of rain fell in a matter of hours, bursting the banks of the river steeping, leading to hundreds of people being evacuated from their homes and the loss of thousands of acres of crops. So I thought it a good opportunity to find out the latest from Wainfleet with Simon Fisher at the NFU. Simon, first of all, the news of that
1: money from DEFRA, that that must be welcome. Yeah, it's very welcome news. Um, We're now, what, eight weeks beyond the event, um, and we'd started drawing a few blanks in terms of um, getting some help for recovery of the farms down at uh, Wayne Fleet. We'd, we'd heard fairly categorically from the M- Agriculture Minister Goodwin a week later at Lincolnshire Show that there wasn't compensation available for crop loss. Uh, we'd been pushing for a farm recovery fund, sort of a la Somerset and Cumbria a few years ago, um, but that was actually starting to draw a few blanks. So, this is, uh, I was a little bit surprised when I opened my email to see. Uh, Two million pounds have been made available for both Waynefleet and the North Yorkshire Wreath, Ark, and Garthdale area.
0: Now we covered um, North Yorkshire on last week's farming programme. Uh, Andrew Ward and Forage Aid have been mm. up there to see the damage. It's totally different to what happened in Waynefleet, different situation. Yeah,
1: it? up there, there's uh, there's fields strewn with a couple of feet of boulders and rocks. Um, yeah, very much so. I, I saw a similar incident a few years back now, um, when uh, which happened in Teesdale. Um, and yeah it's a totally different sort of issue up there where they 've basically got to clear thousands of tons of rock and rubble from, from that have been washed out of streams and where walls are being washed downstream um, out of the out of fields and get them back to um, the soil underneath uh, in Waynefleet it's more a case of having soil recovery, so they 've got the soil there still. Um, it's been sat for up to 10 days in water Uh, most of the worms died as is evident by the seagulls who enjoyed them afterwards Um, and soil nutrients so most of the farmers i've spoken to around there seem to think that it'll take two or three years before the soil gets back to its pre-flood state Uh, and of course that in the meantime has an implication for those farms in terms of productivity so it's quite important that we try and accelerate that if we can um, so, for example, getting worm populations back up to speed. There'll be lots of eggs in the soil, but no big worms. Uh, and soil worms are important in soil for aeration and, and drainage. And uh, so, we we would want to c- encourage those eggs to produce little worms, which grow into bigger ones, and uh, therefore to start doing their job properly again. Um, so, there's quite a lot. There. You, there are ways you can do that in terms of putting manure and things like that, which help accelerate it. And, and could some of this money go towards that? Do you think? Or uh, yeah, I think it's it's yep. got, we've got to be fairly careful. It's not money for crop loss; it's money to help recovery, um, extra cultivations that you need to stop things like capping on the silts, and those sort of things are, are quite important. We don't know which area it'll apply to at the moment. Uh, obviously, the flooding in Lincolnshire was quite widespread. Um, we think it'll probably be sort of honed down to the Wainfleet area. And there are, of course, distinctions that uh, will be made by DEFRA in terms of uh, those areas flooded by the breach uh, and those areas on the outmarsh, for example, that were just inundated with too much water and drains couldn't get it away
0: of course, we can't, you know, if some listeners think, oh, well, that's all right, then the farmers, they've got their money now, nothing to worry about. It doesn't even touch the size, does it, from the crops that were lost? Not
1: not in terms of, uh, you know, hundreds of thousands of pounds of crop loss. Um, This is going to provide a few thousand pounds just to help people with the extra costs of recovering your land it's not going to actually substitute income loss. Obviously, we're, we're into harvest now. Has any of those crops been able to be recovered? Um, yeah, the, the, there was a couple of oilseed crops in the area which were flooded, which were underwater, but um, luckily with oilseed, because it sets quite early, its seeds, it seeds um, form quite early, uh, it's just a question of it ripening off. Well, the, the seed pods actually stood above the water, so they weren't damaged that way. Uh, my guess is, and certainly the feedback I've had with one or two f- harvested oil seed is that um, the uh, yields are down, um, which is not unexpected. When you drive around down there and you sort of looked at wheat crops, for example, some of that will be harvested now, um, that uh, you could see where bits of it had died off and bits of it hadn't, uh, depending how much water it was standing in. Um, so that there were other crops though, spring crops particularly, that were lost, maize just disappeared altogether. Um, and vining peas and things like that, which were down there, were, were very badly affected, as were potatoes as well. So those crops have gone totally. Um, th- it'll be a bit of a mixed picture. Uh, and I guess uh, some of the feedback, we're actually asking farmers for, to fill in, give some survey information now in back on us and the impacts. Um, what we'll see from that is a very mixed picture. Some will have got something. But... My guess is that yields will be really well... If they ever got a combine in the field, then the yields will be really reduced.
0: That's Simon Fisher at the NFU there. Well, of course, it wasn't just Wainfleet hit by that rainfall in June. Further south, there's concern that cauliflowers could be in short supply over the next few weeks, certainly British collies anyway. Martin Tate is Commercial Director at Lincolnshire Field Products, based in Spaulding. Martin, what is the situation?
4: Well, the next two to three weeks, I guess, is where we need to focus our mines and cauliflower particularly, broccoli as well but maybe not quite so badly affected are going to be incredibly limited in supply. Things will improve most definitely from the beginning of September because the crops that will be coming into harvest from September onwards have been planted after the heavy rainfall that we experienced in the middle part of June. Crops at that point that were in the ground and growing away looking quite healthily healthy uh, have been devastated not only by the three months worth of rainfall in effectively three days, but was compounded by the Extreme heat that we then had in the second half of July.
0: I mean, it was a perfect storm. If if the word perfect doesn't seem right, but I mean, with as you say, with all that rain and then following with that that really hot spell.
4: Yeah, uh, it I couldn't have come worse, it, could it? If the crops had just experienced one of those two extremes, they would have been in a far better position than we actually are. It, it was it was the perfect storm. You, you summed it up very well there.
0: What kind of losses are you are you looking at? Do you think? Because obviously you can't recover any of this either, can you?
4: No, I think the, the crops which have been damaged and affected are lost. Um, I think if you take Lincolnshire as a whole, and you know, obviously there's, there's a significant acreage, not just grown by ourselves, but by some of our competitors and peers. You know, I think it's it's not an exaggeration to say that eighty percent of the crop has been lost. It is only for a two to three week period. I think cauliflower. We're seeing certainly big shortages this week, next week, and the week after. But as I've said already from the beginning of September onwards, we should be back up to full supply, and that's simply because the the crops which were plant, planted post the rain are growing away under relatively normal conditions now. So we'll be we'll be back on stream.
0: Of course, uh, some. Um Supermarkets. Some traders are uh, bringing cauliflowers in from other parts of the world. Although there have been weather extremes right across the globe, really, haven't they? Yeah,
4: I think you know there's there's, there's a little bit of uh, false reporting going on. I mean, Europe Europe would be our natural place to turn to if we had supply issues in the UK. Um, over the last four to five years, we've actually developed quite a nice business in exporting out to mainland Europe during our traditional sort of season from June through until Christmas time. So the acreage being produced on the mainland Europe is reduced and they've certainly suffered from more extreme temperatures than we have. They haven't had the rainfall. So, you know, if I tried to buy from some of our colleagues out in Europe, you know, the answer is pretty much no. There's the odd pallet or two getting through, but it's, you know, it's very expensive and it's average to poor in quality so our normal our normal go-to places are not there anymore
0: hopefully we can uh, i'll come and see you when things are better and we can do a, a nice positive piece that'd be nice as let's well
4: let's look forward to sprouts at christmas <laughs> yeah, absolutely yes
0: that'll be, <laughs> be here before we know it won't it it will be all right that's brilliant thank you martin have a good day and you appreciate bye your time bye. cheers bye bye, bye. And Martin Tate there from Lincolnshire Field Products. Right, before we get carried away with talk of Christmas, oh, that reminds me, I need to start writing this year's Panto, don't I? Anyway, enough of that. On to the latest grey markets. Kit Dickinson has the news from Open Field
5: this week. Good morning, Sean. The news from the wheat market this week is another decline on the UK market due to strengthened sterling and good wheat yields across the country. As I said two weeks ago, it is worth keeping an eye on sterling. If it strengthens back to values as of early May, we will see a significant drop, not just in wheat, but in all commodities across the board. There has been a lot of Group 1 milling wheat cut in the last few days to preserve the Hagberg and most of it so far has been coming in with good proteins, Hagbergs and bushel weights. The USDA report came out this week with a few surprises that will keep the market volatile and on its toes. The take-home message from the report was the data released from the Farm Service Agency around Prevent Planted Area. This is to show how the same data from 2018 harvest will reflect in the 2019 harvest. The long and the short of this is the US farmers have reported at least an 11.2 million acres less corn than was planted last year and 4.3 less soybeans, 2.2 million less acres of wheat. The global oil seed rate market continues to be pushed around by politics. The story seems never-ending, but coupled with the ASF impact, currency fluctuations to citical data is certainly leaves the market nervous. The latest USDA data would imply that US farmers may have planted one of the smallest soya bean acres for many years. This headline was certainly not a discussion point earlier in the year, with many expecting crop reductions due to further bad weather for corn. As shown by recently published prevent plant numbers, again, either way, the soya bean will continue to drop from China as they do not have any competitive markets currently. The price for soya and its products remain competitive with other cereals and this may prove an interesting dynamic by the end of the season. Closer to home, oilseed rape consumers around the EU are checking their supply and demand calculations and wondering at what price they can buy more seed. The situation will remain volatile but at current oilseed rape values, they are pushing back towards the widest spread against soya for a number of months. Winter barley is now completed for Lincolnshire, and we have had good yields across the board. There is now an export opportunity for as much barley as possible before the 31st of October, because after that date, it is anyone's guess as to what we will be able to export and when. Spring barley is now underway with mixed results, but there is still a lot of malting barley to cut, And if this persistent rain continues, who knows what the quality and yield will be like? Moving on to prices this week, feed wheat has taken a drop to 127 to 129 off the combine for August, November 130 to 132, February 133 to 135, and May 136 to 138. Milling premiums are currently 20 to 22 pounds for the Lincolnshire area, but please keep an eye on this as yields are good and so is quality. This premium could reduce if this continues. Oilseed rate, 323 to 325 for August. November, moving on to a £10 carry to 333 to 335. February, 336 to 338. And limited carry going forward after that with 337 to 339 for May, falling just short of the all-important 340. Barley for August one hundred and fifteen to one hundred and seventeen, with again lots of export opportunity. November one hundred and nineteen to one hundred and twenty one, February one hundred and twenty two to one hundred and twenty four, and May one hundred and twenty six to one hundred and twenty eight, with rather poor malting premiums at present five to seven pounds.
0: Thank you, Kit, Kit Dickinson from Open Field. So last week on the programme, Nick Morris returned. He made a uh, a guest appearance and uh, never one to miss out on an opportunity. Um, uh, Rebecca Pearce was listening and said, oh, well, if Nick can return, so can I. And she's here. Hello, Rebecca.
2: Good morning, Sean. It's nice to be back.
0: Now, you've got a new job. What are you you up to?
2: Uh, I'm working for Yara now. I've been with Yara for a few months working as part of their retail team as an area manager in Yorkshire so I haven't really gone very far I'm still very much on North Lynx and Yorkshire soil you don't get rid of me that easily basically I'm promoting all things Yara from our liquid fertilizer range to our speciality product range to our Yara Vita products.
0: Okay well welcome back Bex now oil sea rate drilling uh, has obviously started uh, in the week as we mentioned on on last week's um, programme and obviously that's a, a specialism with the team at Yara, isn't it?
2: Yeah, definitely. Um, the oilseed rape area in the UK has always been a bit of a hot topic and so many are once again questioning the future of the crop in their rotation. So I thought it'd be good to touch base on oilseed rape establishment and autumn oilseed rape fertiliser for those that have drilled in the past week, 10 days and for those that are on with drilling at the moment. And alongside me today is my colleague Phil Burrell, Lincolnshire and Nottinghamshire area manager, and he can tell us a little bit more. Welcome, Phil.
6: Thanks, Rebecca. Firstly, it's safe to say we have no magic wand to prevent the loss of the crop in the spring. However, at drilling, the key is conserving soil moisture and ensuring good seed-to-soil contact. One area of interest is autumn nutrition. Interestingly, 30 years ago, 75% of seed rape received autumn fertiliser. Last year, less than 50% although the oilseed rate area has doubled during this time. Fertiliser at drilling can help improve establishment, increase the speed of growth, increase biomass going into winter, and hopefully increase yield. Recent work at our Lincoln trial site in 2014 showed an average of 92% establishment versus 66% where no fertiliser was applied at drilling. Ultimately, bigger biomass will equal reduced end requirement in the spring. An ideal rate would be 25 kilograms a hectare of N applied. This rate, however, can be reduced when applied in bands closer to the seed. Also worth not forgetting both phosphate, which will help in root development, and potassium, which will help with crops' winter hardiness. There are various options out there. The key, however, is to apply immediately at or after drilling. Do not wait. Far too often we see crops not receiving any fertiliser until September, By then, day length is reducing as is soil temperatures. So the key, whatever products you're using, and there's plenty out there, is to get on ASAP and protect that crop. If applying straight N, there is also the benefit of using foliar phosphate applications to increase rooting. Again, these can be applied once you have a crop through a standard crop sprayer. The key message from us is actually to increase our establishment, is to get some fertiliser on as soon as possible, however... Please remain within NMAX limits.
2: Thanks, Phil. And just something else that is worth mentioning is the Rural Development Programme for England's Countryside Productivity Small Grant Scheme, which has once again been launched in the UK. With an interest in precision nitrogen management, the Yara N-Sensor is actually covered in the scheme and around a 40% grant is being offered toward the purchase price of our latest N-Sensor model. There's some real key benefits of the N-Sensor. From increased nitrogen use efficiency to real-time information being available to you to an increase in yields. The closing date for applications is coming up with everything needing to be submitted by the 3rd of September. So if you are interested, please be aware of the deadline and feel free to get in contact with myself or Phil or your local Yara area manager for more information.
0: Fantastic. All right. Thank you, Rebecca. Thank you, Phil. Thank you. Right, last month on the programme we heard from Phil Stocker at the National Sheep Association and indeed also last month we discussed Lincoln Longwools with the Rare Breed Survival Trust. So I thought this week we'd discuss the current wool trade in a little more detail. Grant Clark is from British Wool.
7: Wool is the most nat- the best natural product and it goes into a variety of products, carpets, bedding, beds... And um, yeah, it's a fantastic product. say it's got massive selling features, and it's uh, one of the main things. It's really good for the environment. So it doesn't—it uh, biodegrades naturally. So it's not um, microplastics, etc. It doesn't uh, contribute towards the environmental issues we have.
0: We keep, yeah, we keep talking about the environment, and and this is, as you say, one of the most environmentally friendly products there is. It is, if not the most environmentally friendly product there is,
7: and again, it's just getting that across to the consumer so they understand that it is really an, a fantastic option. We'll, British one. And of
0: course, sheep shearing, it's not cruel, is it? it, it the, the sheep need shearing, they
7: really. Do. Sheep shearing is a welfare issue uh, as much as anything else. So, if you don't shear your sheep, they get things called fly strike which is a really horrible, very painful, and discomforting thing for the sheep. But also, the sheep needs to fleece off. In the middle of summer, it's, it'd be like you wearing a, a big woolen jacket in the middle of summer. Very, very uncomfortable. So, it is very much a welfare issue.
0: What about prices at the moment? Because, you know, I know on some farms, by the time they've uh, got round to shearing the sheep, it actually is costing them more than actually what they can sell the fleece for.
7: It is. Uh, it depends on the kind of sheep, sorry, the kind of breed of sheep you've got. Um, some, of the, some people do make quite good profit on it if it's a finer wool. Um, prices at the moment they're pretty stable Uh, we've had a good start to this season and we are doing a lot of activity downstream uh, with partners in China Uh, so we opened a Chinese office last October so the idea behind that is to stimulate new demand for British wool and also to gain a premium for British wool which longer term should help the producer and should help the prices of wool
0: and again I guess it's if we're buying more wool
7: then that will help as well exactly it'll increase demand demand always increase increases the price as well
0: it's not flammable well is it either which is a, a good thing i know you know there's been lots of talk about high rise flats and that kind of mm-hmm. thing and insulation if wool was used there more that would also help with some of the issues that we've seen over the last few years?
7: Potentially, yes. I mean, it's unflammable. It's naturally unflammable as well, so it doesn't need to be treated. Uh, but again, that's great in things such as carpets as well. So it's, it's very safe, a very,
0: very safe option. So, lots of benefits to wool. Uh, what would you say to our listeners about you know encouraging to, to, to use British wool to, to find out more about British wool? Definitely. I mean, our website's full of information
7: on British wools, britishwool.org.uk. Um, and I would say look for the crook mark. So next time you're looking for a carpet or a garment, look for that crook mark and that British British wool, sign.
1: And it's
0: easy to find or go online and find what the crop mark is. Well, if, if, if it's not there, what might it be? It's not obviously not British wool or it might be a synthetic? or It could be synthetic. Uh, a lot of clothing, for
7: instance, is synthetic. Uh, a lot of carpets are synth- synthetic as well. Uh, but there's also wools from around the world as well. Uh, but we should be buying British wool and supporting the British farmer.
0: That's Grant Clark from British Wool. Wool's good, whatever the weather. Cooling in the summer, warm and dry in the winter. Uh, what do we need this week?
2: The Farming Programme. Five day forecast. Well, things
0: start unsettled, but by the middle of the week it should calm down. Today, some showers, breezy from the southwest, gusting at 30 miles an hour, daytime highs of 19 Celsius. Overnight, we'll have clear skies, still breezy from the southwest, lows of 12. Tomorrow and Tuesday, more in the way of sunshine, but you might still catch a shower. Highs again generally 19, the winds more from the west-southwest nearer 10 to 20 miles an hour. Then the latter end of the week, mostly dry, not much wind. Highs in their early 20s, lows in their mid-teens. For now, that's the forecast. Our last word this week goes to Joe Stanley. He's posted a video on his Twitter account, at Joe W Stanley, in response to the recent IPCC report on climate change, or rather some of the coverage on it, which talked about changing diets and cutting meat consumption. Well, here's Joe's take on it, out in a windy field surrounded by his Blackbrook Longhorns.
3: Hi, my name's Joe Stanley. And I'm a livestock and arable farmer from Leicestershire, and this is Blackbrook Bonita behind me. And we would like to talk to you about um, livestock and greenhouse gas emissions, which is obviously an issue which is being very widely covered in the media in recent months, but also very poorly covered, as can be seen from the distorted coverage of the recent IPCC report into land use and climate change. Uh, Now we have a a livestock sector to be proud of in this country. Our greenhouse gas emissions are two and a half times lower than the global average. Our methane emissions have dropped by 10% in the last 30 years. And the vast majority of our livestock are raised, as you see here, on permanent pasture land. Um, 70% of the UK's agricultural land is unfit for other forms of agriculture uh, and can only be used to grow grass from which we produce high welfare, high quality, animal protein. Now, if you're concerned about your impact, uh, the impact of your dietary choices on the environment, my, my main piece of advice would be to buy sustainably produced British produce. Obviously, it is unsustainable to purchase animal products produced from places such as the Amazonian Basin that are a result of deforestation, but British sustainably produced grass-fed animals such as these are actually acting as a carbon sink and not as a contribution to climate change. Now, there's obviously more that we as farmers can do and must do and will continue to do. Uh, The NFU has recently committed to an ambition of uh, net zero um, for the entire industry by 2040 and that's something that most farmers are very excited uh, to, to get to grips with. But for the time being, British beef production is among the most sustainable in the world Uh, and as you can see these animals are maintaining our wonderful british landscape while they're at it so once again please buy british produce and be confident that when you buy that you are sourcing sustainably produced high welfare beef and lamb Joe Stanley there
0: I told you it was windy as well. Thank you, Joe. And if you go to his Twitter account, at Joe W Stanley, if you're on Twitter, you'll be able to watch the video and see him surrounded by his Blackbrook longhorns. Thanks for uh, letting us air that, Joe. Right, if you'd like to contribute uh, to a future edition of the programme, do please get in touch. If you're on social media, it's at Farming Show. Search for us if you want on uh, Facebook for Farming Programme and email us through the website as well. If you go there now, you'll see my ugly mug on the homepage. Click on it and uh, you'll be able to send me an email and uh, who knows, it might be you appearing on next week's programme. Until next week, as ever, take care.